The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Welcome. Welcome to the other side of the news. Uh, tonight is uh, an unusual night. We've got our co-host Timothy Saunders, who's been traveling, and he's going to be reporting from his car. <laughs> and all kind of chaos has been breaking out in the background here. I think there must be some kind of munchkins going on. Anyway, this is the other side of the news. This is Kinthea, along with Annette Driscoll and Timothy Saunders. Our guest tonight is Jill Benzer, and the show is called Dissecting Biosphere. So this has been quite a week. I tell you, with Durham and uh, Sussman being acquitted, and oh my gosh, and then Uvalde, of course, it, it, it just doesn't stop. But I have to say, in the middle of all this chaos, I just want to say for myself personally, you know, in this long journey that we've had, I was uh, really hoping that things were moving, were shifting. And then I went from hoping to, like, getting some momentum. Yes, things are shifting. I know it. I can feel it in my bones. And I have to say that now, with all this coming down, all the chaos around us, you'd think I'd be more uh, agitated, but quite the contrary. There's, like, this confidence coming into my consciousness that we are on the threshold of a huge change. And uh, <laughs> I'm just watching this. There's some great cosmic humor going on here. And in the middle of all the things that seem so tragic, there is a still point, which is reaffirming to me that we are making progress in this awakening of our planet, of our species, and the movement towards true freedom for everyone. So, uh, Annette Timothy, I want to invite you both to jump in. As you know, it's going to be a very free-form night, and then we'll bring our beautiful guest on. But uh, I would agree with you. I think that um, actually I'm feeling better than ever, and I'm learning a lot and understanding more and more about what's going on, and feel just great, actually, about much of what's going on. I mean, it's not pleasant. So I'm not enjoying it. I wouldn't go that far, but I, I would say that I'm, I am, I'm feeling very favorable about the way things are going. So, 
What say you, Timothy? Well, good evening. I would say <laughs> that uh, it's been another interesting week um, working out of a, a different city, hence the the fact that I missed last show because uh, I was actually awake, believe it or not, but the, there were intermittent power cuts, which meant the internet was not working. So I, I think that on. But I did listen to your show and I did enjoy it. Thank you. This week, I am actually set up in my car. I have no idea how it sounds, but I know that I need to keep my eye on my laptop battery, battery indicator. And at the moment, I'm on 97%, so I'm hoping it's going to be a great show. Wonderful. And I, I want to acknowledge our sound engineer, Keith Morgan, who just before the show was like everything was like disconnecting, broken links here and there, and he was like scrambling, and always he pulls through. <laughs> and got it together like five minutes before the show, bringing us all on. And uh, so thank you so much, Keith. I really appreciate it. Do either of you want to say more? Otherwise, I'm going to bring Jill on. No, if it's that important, we can talk about it as the show goes on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just have it as a round table and enjoy ourselves. So I want to say that uh, bringing Jill on, Jill Benzer, she's a dear friend and She's had a show with us once before. It's in our links. Don't be fooled by this very gentle voice. She is uh, really a uh, formidable researcher and highly detailed in her research. And I've really grown to respect her uh, opinions and I value her. But Jill Benzer is a dedicated citizen urban naturalist, born and raised residing in Manhattan, New York. In her youth, she was driven to discover the natural world and natural history of New York City, which eventually led to a Bachelor of Science degree in biodiversity studies. And as such, she has become a citizen naturalist botanist and urban parks explorer. Jill brings us insights into the environment from her experiences and detailed studies of the ecosystem. So tonight she's going to be sharing with us some startling revelations about nanotechnology and other technologies being deployed in this time of COVID and how it's been interacting with both the population at large and the environment, the impact on human health as well as the biosphere. Jill, welcome to the other side of the news. Lovely to be with all of you. We're so pleased to have you with us, Jill. I know that uh, last time you didn't really get to share about the environmental um, aspects of New York City, which I haven't had the pleasure of discovering, but I think I would love to hear it through your eyes. And then I'd like to move and see how what kind of uh, impact you've been noticing from technologies impinging on this environment. Okay, thank you. Uh, yes, it has been a real honor and joy for me to discover uh, nature in New York City. Uh, at many years ago, I thought I would like to connect with nature in my daily life and to feel the natural environment of New York City, but I didn't know to what extent it would be possible. Uh, but little by little, through help from walks at, with the Museum of Natural History and wonderful, a very quiet but wonderful naturalist 
um, naturalist community in the city, I really grew to discover a great deal. And one of the things is that a lot of us New Yorkers don't even realize that we're we're on an island in the ocean because we're on we're on the coast, and as such, we also are part of a historic um, estuary, which is a place where uh, the land meets the sea, and therefore uh, fresh water from the land comes together with the ocean water, and this creates many different environments for living things. And about 30 years ago, there became a movement in the city to really look closely at what we have here, even to this day. Of course, historically, it was absolutely overflowing with life. The Native Americans were very, in this area, were very fine stewards and of the land, and the Europeans found a tremendous array of living things in the water, in the air, and uh, in the land. And um, basically, the history, the natural world that we have today was in full fullness of life starting around 7,000 years ago, because it took quite a long time for everything to build slowly after the last ice age and this land is very we have rock that is here that is more than one billion years old according to the way we best understand it of course uh, there are other ways to understand things but assuming for the moment that it's about one billion years old and more and there were mountainous rock formations at different times, and at this point, we are now walking on those mountain tops, and we have beautiful rock, the very uh, metamorphic rock that has been undergone a great deal of transformations, and we have uh, forests and many natural areas that, because of the way New York City developed, they were neglected areas as well as there was a strong movement at one point towards making parkland. So between all those factors, we have quite a diversity of natural areas uh, from small neighborhood parks to larger parks and to actually very what are called forever wild areas, natural parks. So we're also on um, a migration path, so birds... Over 200 species of birds uh, can be seen during migration periods. And we have very dedicated and knowledgeable um, citizen naturalist uh, birders, you know, who are just incredible. They follow everything. They communicate with one another. They they appreciate the birds early in the morning. And it's, there's a great deal happening here that uh, I think people don't know. And one of the most lovely parts was um, the movement towards uh, learning about wild plants and plants that evolved here for a long time but were uh, altered by the tremendous human impact, of course, of making the city. And very quietly, a small community of people exchanged ideas and tried new things about starting about 30 years ago. And as a result, like many of our wild areas are now um, in the process of being restored uh, uh, in a beautiful way. 
and our parklands, uh, people have experimented with planting, replanting, or rewilding the plants uh, that would be there. And this has had a wonderful impact on insects and the bird life and other uh, amazing life forms which have responded to the human, the love and the care and the insight of the very intelligent and wonderful people that have worked on this project. So, so, so. Jill, can I uh, deduce from what you're saying that 5G has not had a, a terrible impact on the birds or insects where you are? Is that Would that be true? Well, that's a wonderful point because actually uh, 5G is kind of recent. So all the new developments like the smart meter technology, which is now throughout the city, the 5G technology, which keeps getting more and more, it's only very, very recent in the past two years or so. So we don't yet know exactly what is going on. However, there is a lot to be aware that it's very uh, possible. This will have a very bad impact, but it's a little too soon to know. We know that 5G has uh, an effect on the smallest of most vulnerable bacteria and uh, life forms, and therefore it's just getting into full gear at this moment. So it is uh, very likely, uh, sadly, it may have a very poor, poor effect on our uh, environment here. However, because of the efforts of the people over these years, there is more of bees, I mean, and, and things that are failing in other areas. We do have a wonderful community of people who watch the bees, and we do have about 200 species, you know, of bees here. And we have, um, it's, it's incredible what, what people have found, and they're doing all right, perhaps a little better than other areas because of the lack of certain other influences. However, we discovered that glyphosate was being heavily sprayed on, of all things, in the city. The glyphosate is is a, one of, is a form of the Roundup. You see, mm, okay, we know about from Monsanto and others, and discovered it's widely used around the world at this point. It's too very very deleterious to all health. As a matter of fact, it, um, it it was used with, I thought, that the city was free of it because it's mainly used on suburban lawns, and that's where it's heavily used, the Roundup. So I thought that the city was all right, and then all of a sudden I attended a meeting some about three years ago, four years ago, and discovered that under the you know, pretense, or, or perhaps they believed it, that the, uh, there are threats from mosquitoes of different diseases. So they uh, sprayed, I saw the map of the Board of Health, and glyphosate had been sprayed everywhere on the city, and even the sidewalk areas, the, every almost every part of the city had little circles showing that it had received the treatment from glyphosate. Is there any indication of who authorized this to, to happen? Uh, yes, it, it's always the health department that seems, ah. to be, yes, uh, seems to be very active in these campaigns. 
And thankfully, some of our representatives on this issue did get involved, but it, it didn't make too much progress and people. However, this subject is very important to what we're going to discuss shortly because it turns out that the work of this researcher, which I would like to bring to your attention today, Harold Kautzfella in Germany, um, he discovered that glyphosate enters our system, it kills beneficial bacteria in our gut, in our intestine, and it seems that the intestine is really the center of health uh, for for us. It's really the essential place. So the glyphosate kills that uh, the very beneficial bacteria, and intestinal bacteria do many things that we weren't aware of. They they actually can create substances that we need. They can do many, many things besides assist us in digestion. They actually create substances uh, that are essential for our health. They communicate with our immune system, and there are many things. So they seem to also be vital in absorbing, helping us to have, when we take in minerals, the minerals need to be converted to bioavailable forms many times. And it's the intestinal bacteria that do this. You had, long ago, you had a wonderful guest, Mr. Joel, and do you remember his last name? Um, Wallach, Dr. Wallach. Dr. Dr. Wallach, yeah, we've had him on yes. twice. Uh-huh. Yes, and he, he went into great detail about the minerals and how the the cilia in the gut, in the, in the small intestine, are vital to absorbing minerals. And another element of that is the bacteria. So if the bacteria don't convert the minerals then to bioavailable, then we, we also suffer um, mineral deficiency. And that leads to liver troubles. And if the liver is not working properly, it cannot, it cannot help us cleanse our system of heavy metal accumulation. Which begs the question, why is the health department the one that is issuing the orders to spray everyone with this deleterious material? Of course, of course. Unfortunately, we we understand that they follow orders of policies that seem to come from a a source that is not from the people at, at this point not from an open society discussion of issues and bringing forth of knowledge and sharing of knowledge. That doesn't seem to be the way decisions are made at the, at the present time, sadly. So uh, so this leads to the fact that um, the, in, this, in recent times, as you know, we've had classic environmental problems, which I would call like pollution, you know, all the forms of pollution that we're aware of from industry, um, from farming and agriculture, the uh, use of fertilizers, ozone, and so forth. We were aware of these things, you know, for a while. Um, however, at this point, those seem like extremely benign um, problems. Uh, we, you know, we were aware of nuclear energy problems and so forth. But at this present time, only in recent years, all this happened like after World War II, 
But then in the past 30 years, there have been new forms of pollution to handle, to work with. And one of them, uh, you've also had Dane Wigginton on your program, and he does a wonderful work in um, sharing the problems of geoengineering. It's very rarely discussed, and it's a policy that is occurring over the whole world. And bringing some of these heavy metals onto the earth in enormous quantities, apparently. And these heavy metals, so that's one source of these heavy metals that people are struggling with. So not only do we have the heavy metals, but we have the glyphosate making it harder to handle the influx of these heavy metals, you see. Jill, just for the listeners that not really very well up to date with how York is as a, as a state. Is it a very agricultural area? Uh, New York State? Yes. Yes, New York State is very agricultural. Very, okay, so, very agricultural. So yes. when, when, you talk, when you're talking about glyphosate being used there, are you commenting on New York City or New York State? Yes, uh, I was referring to New York City. My world is New York City, you know. Yeah, but New York, uh, glyphosate is used around the country and the world, uh, but it's mainly used in, as I mentioned, suburban, uh, to make suburban lawns green and free of pests and so on. So that's why I had thought that that's, it was not a problem in the city, but apparently I was wrong, you know. Well, that's what I was wondering, because I, I've not spent a huge amount of time in New York, but I've never seen sort of huge gardens with green grass growing, and I haven't seen very much agricultural going on in New York City itself. So I'm just curious to know why this, uh, this weed killer is required. I mean, most of New York City is, is concrete, isn't it? Well, that's the point. That's what I thought as well. But uh, that apparently, um, because they claimed that there was a big danger from mosquito uh, diseases, mosquito-borne diseases, they chose glyphosate as their choice of how to eradicate the mosquitoes. That's really strange because Roundup lost a huge lawsuit over oh, the cancer. Oh, oh of even, course. Even, even stranger than that, it, as Timothy has pointed out, it is an herbicide, not a pesticide. That's and, exactly my point, oh, right. Timothy, exactly. <laughs> Right, right. It's, it's, well, that's the point. It's not, Roundup is, it's all a variation of this particular chemist, chemical, um, compound. You know, it has, um, it's used as Roundup on lawns, but then it's, it, they have variations of it to use as, um, as, uh, you know, against mosquitoes and so forth. They, it, it's gener, in general, anti-life in general, you know. It, it, it has, Probably each product has a slight um, difference in its chemical compound, you know? But it's essentially glyphosate, so that's an excellent point, yeah. Would you like to tell us, Jill, who owns the patent for this wonderful herbicide? Oh, right. Well, I'm, I I haven't looked into, you know, whole research onto that, but I, I know Monsanto, I believe, Monsanto has been associated with that product, but they're not alone. You know, it's um, it's all emanating from a similar source, you know. Um, there There's plenty of, um, 
you know, beyond Monsanto, unfortunately, involved in these products, you know? In So, yeah. Yeah, but they, they've had many lawsuits, but apparently doesn't um, seem to alter the policies too much. This, this may be a long shot, but was... I mean, I, I believe that the patent was first given in, in the 1970s, the early 1970s. Was was it used as part of a, an experiment to clear the jungle in the Vietnam War? Or was it just a, a crazy theory? Oh, yes. Well, you know, all of these, all of these chemicals, you know, are Agent Orange. You, I think you're referring to Agent Orange, you know, and uh, all this all this that started to happen after World War II, you see. And this has all this chemical orientation is not that old on our Earth. It's really not that long. It's just a few decades, you know, that we've had this intense drive towards these extremely toxic chemicals. But like I see, I'm saying, these are actually old-fashioned problems at this point. These are actually old-fashioned at this point. We've now gone beyond um, pollution, chemicals, n- nuclear energy, all born plastics, all born at, after World War II. We've gone beyond that now to, to like this geoengineering, which actually utilizes nanoparticles of, as Dane Wigington has described, of aluminum, of different forms of aluminum, and other metals, you see, and it's um, not only, you know, this is also related with the microplastics, then of course, this has been going on for years now, in the name of global warming to protect the earth from the sun, you know, being too strong, and as a result, you know, they, it's not really, I think Dan Megan tries to calculate the enormous amount that it's it's astonishing amount all over the earth that's being put on the oceans and as, as you know a nano aluminum is an extremely drying agent flammable agent poisonous to life mm-hmm. and so it's quite a problem that we're in the midst of and most people are are completely unaware that it's occurring so uh, Jill but, um, yes I think this is a good place to go to break, and we can continue this after the break. You're listening to The Other Side of the News, and our wonderful guest tonight is Jill Benzer. And the show is called Dissecting Biosphere, co-hosting are Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. We'll return. This is Annette from The Other Side of the News. I'd like to let you know that I'm going to be on a month-long tour across the United States. I'm touring with the Truth Tour, and it's going to be an inspiring event with really awesome speakers. On the Truth Tour, we have well-known, high-powered, and emerging, insightful patriots speaking on the kind of topics that we cover on the other side of the news. I thought this would be of interest to our listeners. What we are doing is bringing together people on a local level to create change and take action. As I'm sure you're aware, one of the things that the cabal has done throughout this period of time we've been living through is to separate us. And one of the primary goals of the Truth Tour is to bring like-minded people together and to share knowledge with each other. 
with that knowledge, people can come together in friendship and build a strong communities that they want to live in. So this is how we defeat the cabal. We're really excited to be bringing you engaging speakers, sharing their knowledge with you on topics ranging from scientists and health experts to data geeks, constitutional researchers, people speaking about how to regain your sovereignty. There's speakers that will be speaking about our history, how to grow your own food, to taking care of yourself in a medical emergency and controversial topics that you need your tin hat for. That's my favorite, actually. The Truth Tour covers 22 cities in 31 days, and we cover around 8,000 miles. Instead of listing all the 22 cities here, you can go to truthtour.net and see the map, and that will show you and list all the cities for you. In the Truth Tour, we start out in Thousand Oaks, California, and then south to San Diego. After that, we head east, going across the country till we get all the way over to Florida. Then we're heading up the central east coast, and then eventually we head back west through the upper Midwest region of the country. So to see our route and see if you're near one of our cities, you can check truthtour.net. We have a variety of options. Tickets from VIP level down to a dollar so everyone can afford to come. For those of you that are in a geographic situation that does not allow you to attend, we also have an online streaming event that includes all 22 cities and a portal to watch them at your convenience. And if you're really excited and you want to support the tour, we have a donation button. This way you can support the tour and pay it forward for a person who may not be able to pay the full ticket price. To find more information, you can look us up on truthtour.net. That's truthtour.net. And all of the maps and, and the cities are listed and the tickets, all of that good stuff is right there on that particular page. This is a really exciting tour for me because I am looking forward to meeting each of you live and in person. This is a great opportunity to meet other truth seekers, make new friends, and not feel so isolated. Our primary goal with the Truth Tour is to bring people together to educate, motivate, and inspire you to take action. I will be traveling with the tour to all 22 cities along with many of the other speakers. Each city has a different set of speakers. I am so excited to meet each and every one of you live and in person out on the road and give every one of you a big old hug. the Green Revolution 2.0 is called Gates Ag 1 and it's highly funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates. The mission statement is all about how we must accelerate the deployment of new technologies to indigenous farmers and it's going to help them with climate change, right? It all, again, it all ties back to that. 
and we must go in and take their heirloom genetics away from them, right? These, these precious, uh, hardy, resilient seeds that have fed those people in various parts of the world for generations, for, for hundreds of generations in some cases, and replace them instead with newly genetically engineered, CRISPR modified, bastardized. That's why I say they're defiling the food supply. Ag tech, as it's called. And so this is why we now need to introduce the idea of a acute food crisis. And I would suggest that they have engineered and we're staring right now down the barrel of, this is the, the urgency in tonight's conversation, uh, of an engineered food shortage. And they will use this food shortage, which you're starting to see now around the world, especially as the big bread baskets have started to experience crop failures and they're shutting down their exports of grains, corn and soybean prices are rising precipitously. That means that the countries that depend on those exports, the net importers, are all already experiencing food crises. And so this is spreading around the world right now. And what will happen as we, you know, as we get through this is you'll see the media and these think tanks and the UN, all these all these players will point at the problem. It's just the Hegelian dialectic again, right? They'll say, now you see, because of climate change, mm -hmm. this is why we're having these food shortages and of course the pandemic. And this is why, this is why we have to move into indoor vertical farms and lab-grown meat. And this, you, there's no option. Now, now you feel the pain and now you see why we've been doing this. We've had your interests at heart the whole time. We're from the government. We're here to help. <laughs> right? So there, there's an acute crisis situation that we're now walking into. And that will be used to bring all of this nasty technology in. This is Christian Westbrook with the Ice Age Farmer. And you're listening to the other side of the news. Good evening and welcome back to the other side of the news. This evening, our special guest is Jill Benzer, and I'm co-hosting with Timothy Saunders and Kinthea. And before the break, we were talking about glycophosphate. Now I can't say it, Kinthea. <laughs> anyway, uh, Roundup. Um, boy, what a tongue twister. And uh, anyway. Glyphosate. Hello. There we go. <laughs> Something like that. Glyphosate. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy, I think we would all do better than that. I think we're, I think, you know, the Mercury retrograde is expanding to everything right now. I mean, like, oh boy. Uh, but I, I wanted to get into that a little bit more, um, because it's near and dear to my heart. And I think people need to understand a little bit more about that and how it's being used against us to deteriorate our health, because it will lead into the whole thing about detoxing and how the aluminum is Texas and what all's going on there. But I just wanted to bring this little bit in where we're talking about it creates leaky gut. It, it, it actually creates leaky gut in all mammals and it is known to be very, very detrimental to all mammals. It's extremely inflammatory to the mucosi epithelium, which is the all of the cells that line your intestinal tract. And then they leak out um, things that they shouldn't into your bloodstream. I'm giving you like a really uh, short version here. And then you, you're vulnerable 
because you have you're leaking things out, you're creating antibodies, which is how autoimmune is created. You're creating antibodies to what shouldn't be in your bloodstream because it's it's leaking through these these uh, junctions, the, the junctions in the uh, cells between the cells. Uh, become too large and things start to go through. So the fact that they're putting that all over New York City, knowing what we know about this, is it's just absolutely criminal. And the other thing that I wanted to say before we, you know, totally get into this whole aluminum thing, which I promise we'll come back to, is that we do know that there's a direct correlation between them using glyphosate. There we go. I can almost say it. On the crops, people don't know, and even on organic crops, okay, uh, they use this to, to spray onto the crops just at harvest time, especially wheat. Wheat does not all mature at the same moment in time, even in the same field. But when you spray it with this stuff, it actually dry, it's a desiccant. So it dries the crop out, and when a crop is dying and drying out, it produces more seeds. So it actually increases the yield, and then dries it out and makes it all even to harvest. And it's a lot easier to harvest this, the wheat from a dried out field than a actual growing field. So this is horrible because they're spraying it on all these grains just before it's harvested. So it's loaded with this very toxic, very detrimental chemical. So it's, it's more so than... I was going to say, in actual fact, it, it's like the wheat just before it's ready is just before it's having its offspring, the farmer's actually trying to kill it. So then it, it panics and goes into uh, creating as many seeds as possible. And exactly. it increases the yield. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they know that as they've increased the amount of, of this chemical that they've used on the crops, they've also increased the amount of people that have celiacs and that have other very serious gut inflammatory issues. And all of this uh, leaky gut, etc., has just gone off the charts, as has inflammation and that's all these autoimmune diseases you hear about which is all connected to all the other topics we talk about but i just wanted to say that since we got into there into that before we left that topic entirely it's really unbelievable that they would spray this uh in a place like new york city there's no business to do that except a very nefarious one to make people extremely ill there it does not control mosquitoes come on come on now so. <laughs> well, that uh, brings up a really great point because uh, the rice, as you mentioned, grains, but apparently mm-hmm. it's also used in things like lentils mm-hmm. for the same purpose. Like it may not be immediately, but in the process of, of dry, in order to try to dry them for yes. before getting to the store or packaging. Uh, apparently, there it's used in that as well, which is very unfortunate, you know, because these are all um, healthful food, whole foods, you know, with, which we need and are very have the potential to be very health giving to us. So the fact that they're being glyphosate is being used in the processing of these foods is extremely unfortunate for the reasons you mentioned. Yes. Yeah, and you know the other thing is is that they they've changed. Of course, they legislate all this stuff. I, I like to point to people uh, to this website called Truth and Labeling. I have forever been allergic to MSG, monosodium glutamate, and now the uh, I, the last I checked, there were over forty names for it. These are things our legislators, FDA and RDA, do for us as people. But 
along those lines, uh, they can say it's organically grown because it might be grown organically, but they don't tell you they spray this stuff on right before they harvest it or as they try to dry it in the, you know, as they're processing. That's right. That's right. So um, those are really all very helpful other insights to this subject. And uh, speaking of New York State, I don't think it's too widely known that um, we had a, a, just a few years ago, we had an enormous, one of the finest um, citizen movements ever in this country in terms of being able to stop hydrofracking. And I don't know if that's widely, probably not widely discussed, uh, of course, but it was um, a two-year process and, um, and more, and it created a wonderful coalition of every possible kind of person became involved. And even though Cuomo tried everything possible not to, um, not to have it, uh, to make a ban on it, to his credit, in the end, after he saw the incredible movement, he actually did pay attention and he did um, allow the ban to go through. So hydrofracking is another thing that, you know, who would ever have known? You know, just a few years ago, we had all these other serious problems, but who would have known that we would now be looking at a system for extracting gas, which injected, you know, 100 of the most possible poisonous possible substances deep into the earth, um, into the rock to dissolve the rock, you know, and um, create so deeply down that it can create earthquakes, it can release other um, dangerous uh, gases that are there, like radon and so forth. And then, of course, we know that all the waters of the earth are, you know, are related to one another to some degree. And so, uh, what the the poisons, do, uh, the incredible poisons, you know, do not stay uh, in one place. They they flow with the water. So New York State, because of its great um, agricultural community and the other great Hudson Valley community, which uh, participated in peat seekers. Um, clear water, which was one of also one of the greatest um, environmental um, movements of the people, um, so they were they were all part of it. Um, but hydrofracking is again fresh water is apparently only a small percentage of all the water on Earth. Our rivers, our streams, our lakes, you know, our our glaciers and our so precious because um, we live on fresh water and and all, all many living things. So uh, that that is one of the newer developments along with this geoengineering that are just hard to fathom as a human being. It's just hard to fathom that this could exist, uh, that we could actually be doing this to our very limited fresh water um, supply. Thank goodness we have rain, but I'll get to that in a minute. So, and then of course, in the last uh, five years, as you mentioned, the 5G and the cell phone technologies that that, uh, just came into our lives. And now we live in like a grid um, of microwaves that in an intense grid, getting more and more intense every day, 
um, in the history that we can remember, we've never had to adapt to this kind of unusual technology. And your other guests have done a wonderful job of explaining, you know, the problems of this, um, very serious problems of this technology. I'll just say that it appears that this technology is more than, uh, more than affecting our health very poorly, which we know. Um, we know that it also has, um, odd capacities to uh, see, you know, uh, work with other technologies to see things in our bodies and so on. But um, the, the thing, other aspect of it is that people who are very sensitive to spiritual um, development and who have um, a good sense of connection, like one of your guests, um, Devaya Star you know, describes she's one of these people that are, have the capacity to, you know, they have special gifts that they can share with people for healing. They have special insight because of their connection. They have a, a connection to something that perhaps other people don't have as easily. So I have heard from several of these people that when they're in um, near the 5G, it's much harder to have this connection and... Uh, Richard Hoagland, a friend of this program, you know, he has talked about the torsion field. He also mentioned that this aluminum nanotechnology impacted the torsion field. It's another way of describing this higher connection that we are able to have. So all this has that aspect as well, which I hope we'll get into shortly. And that is basically my overview of the newer problems that we're facing on the earth in, in terms of these very hard to fathom policies that seem to be implemented worldwide. And so what the final thing now is that we've all been through COVID. And as you've so wonderfully described in your many programs, you know, we understand that whatever is in the um, injections, you know, is kind of uh, concerning, whatever it is. Um, we have many uh, good sources of information as to what what's involved, including the drug companies themselves who described what's there to some degree. So, and um, basically, um, we have gained a lot of insight through researchers who have looked at patents. It's one of the only ways these days that you can have a really good source of information because uh, in patents, things are well described and um, also grant requests and things like this. It's it's real documentation that you can kind of um, uh, take seriously. So, um, Kinthea, I noticed that in the show notes uh, that you had for your guest um, a week ago, not Sherry Edwards, but the week before, um, there were many wonderful articles about graphene. And um, how graphene uh, seems to be um, involved now as well. So uh, this is uh, like a, a, a new, uh, another new element besides everything we've just discussed. So graphene. Uh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Before you jump off that, I want to get to graphene, but I want to finish up because we, we were on aluminum and I want to talk a little bit about aluminum and then the graphene, because there's some cycles here that uh, make a lot of sense to me, and I wanted to run them by and see what you thought. But with the 
With the aluminum, and you mentioned the geoengineering, otherwise known as chemtrails more commonly, uh, yeah. one of the things that we know that they are using a lot of that's been well documented is the aluminum. And uh, one of the theories that's been put out there that I thought was pretty interesting, so Okay, well, first of all, I'm going to start from a place where I believe this is a pandemicide. In other words, this is genocide. They've intentionally done things to try to make us sick, to kill us off, to uh, ruin reproduction, things like that. So we can, it doesn't take Einstein to figure this out, but it's pretty obvious. So one of the things that they've been spraying us with is aluminum. And Cliff High, I was listening to one of his talks and he was talking about that that actually has had an effect atmospherically on how much UVB radiation we actually receive. UVB being the type of radiation we need to produce vitamin D. Now we know from what has happened with this and I put in big air quotes up here, COVID crap, uh, that it is very much affected by the vitamin D. Uh, whatever it is, um, and there's a lot of controversy, of course, around that, but whatever it is, it is, um, it is very much affected. The, the immune systems are much stronger with a high level of vitamin D. So my idea here, what I'm bringing it up is that do you feel, I, I don't know if you, you, you theorize with this or not, but, uh, you know, was this intentional? I, it seems like it might be because they had everything else planned out decades in advance. This is clear by the patents, etc. This was, this was not novel by any stretch of the imagination unless novel involved 40 years back. Um, uh, you know, we've got that. And then I wanted to talk about the toxicity to the system and how that actually works and opens you up for the second level of more toxicity of having a, a, a jab. I refuse to call it the V because it's not, it's an inoculation and how that affects us. And then maybe we can move into the detox if that's okay to do it oh, yeah. that way. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, one second. I, I just want to jump in for one second. I want to let our audience know that I poured it over the links about the graphene oxide, they're the last links on my links, and I also added the truth and labeling to Annette's links. So back to you. Okay. So what do you, so let's let's look at this this whole thing with the how they're toxing us out and making our systems weak. Where are you with that? What would you like to say? Oh yeah. Well, I I mean, I, thank you for those uh, additional points because they're great. I would like to um, discuss that in terms of what is going on in the next segment, perhaps, uh, because I I just like to say uh, that um, 30 years ago, or actually 20 years ago, um, there people did start to have like these odd reactions already 20 years ago. Um, at the times when these chemtrails, as we call them, you know, um, perhaps they were from airplanes or perhaps other technology was being used. We do know this geoengineering was going on for at least 30 years. And we also know that apparently, um, in addition to this aluminum that you're talking about, there was other technology being put into our atmosphere. 
Now, this is what I learned from this German researcher. He's a scientist and physicist and has uh, long years of very careful study of this subject. So he he has um, discussed that this um, other stuff, you know, uh, that we might call um, in the family of chemtrails, that it was basically, it can be put high up into the atmosphere, uh, very high, and it doesn't even have to be show um, distributed by an airplane that we would see and we would recognize as a chemtrail. And that's not the only way that it can be distributed at all. There are other means, including uh, perhaps more recently with drones. The thing is that when it's put high into the atmosphere, it comes down in rain, and that is the way it's brought down. So this scientist was able to analyze rain under a high magnification and discovered unbelievable-looking substances in the rain. And um, recently, I, after learning about this, I did just a simple experiment. It, of course, it has to be repeated and more carefully uh, shown. But I did go out in the rain and put my, my skin uh, to the rain and my hand, um, arms. And then when I came back, I looked under my botanical hand lens, which has a 10 times magnification. And sure enough, I saw the similar structures that were in that, um, in what this scientist had showed of the rain. Now, it looks very black and like little rods, kind of uh, soft rods, and very, very black. So I wonder if it's um, somehow related with graphene. But um, it, it was hard to get off my skin because the skin has more grooves than we might think about normally. Our skin is a remarkable organ. It's the largest organ of the body. And it has so many different kinds of cells uh, under the surface or coming to the surface, it's a remarkable thing if you think about it, that we can feel touch, it can feel heat, hot and cold, it can create water with sweat, you know, it can feel touch and all these things thanks to different cellular structures that are under our skin. So it's a very complex, very complex system and if you look at your skin under magnification, you'll see fascinating, you know, just the surface alone is like a whole world. It has grooves and it has, you know, so there are many places where things can settle. When I washed my hands just normally, those rods did not come out. It was not until I very carefully, with great effort um, and soap and, and a rough cloth, you know, um, worked at it, then they came out. So the point is that if I hadn't done that, um, I don't know, would that have been absorbed into my skin or somehow, or or what would have happened, you know? I don't know. So um, this is a very important thing about the rain. Now, I don't think it's in all rains, but 
in New York City, it has quite noticeable this past winter. For it doesn't usually rain a great deal in the winter, but this winter it did rain a lot. And every time it rained, oh, there were rains for many days in a row, which is also unusual. And the rain had a distinct odor, a distinct unpleasant odor that mm. I've also smelled sometimes in the summer in the summer rains. Thank goodness, as I say, it doesn't happen in every single rain, but um, but it does happen. So it's something I became aware of. I would like to share it with the audience so that uh, they might uh, start to make their own um, explorations and be aware of this uh, phenomenon so that um, they can uh, hopefully um, help their their health and perhaps cause um, some beneficial changes for all of us. Hey, Jill, we're at the break time again, so I am going to take us out, and then we can come back in uh, with this topic. So we'll be back shortly. Our show tonight is with Jill Benzer, and we are um, on the other side of the news with Timothy Saunders and Kintia, myself, Anetta. We'll be right back. It's funny because I think, you know, I went through my crazy phase where I made mistakes before the internet and before social media and before any of this. Whereas now you can't do that. There's no such thing. So look, you're saying about black and white and what it does is it stops people expressing themselves. People are too frightened. It's like, you know, I want to say something, but if, what if I use the wrong term? But I remember a story a couple of years ago where Benedict Cumberbatch, who at the time was a darling in the media's eyes, was complaining about the disparity between the treatment of um, black actors and of white actors. And, and he was sticking up and saying, you know, they're not getting paid as well. They're not getting the jobs that they should be getting. And they're being, there is no equality. But what he said was, there isn't equality for colored actors. Well, you've said colored there, Benedict. You can't do that. And so they went for him and he was vilified and he had to come out and do a big apology. Now what it was, it was, it was a slip of the tongue. He's obviously not racist. He's actively trying to say that there is discrimination and he's trying to stick up for that community, but he was vilified and attacked. And that's what happens now. And so when people make their mistakes now, they make their mistakes on the internet. They make their mistakes on social media where they're screenshotted forever. And so I think that's all part of the conditioning that people are frightened. You know, if you're in a position where I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say, in the end you'll go, well, I won't say anything then. The fallout of this is going to be extraordinary with that because people don't realise, you know, when you, you, you're you phoning up the police and grassing on your neighbours and when all this ends, they're still going to be your neighbours and you're still going to have to live next door to them. And good luck with that. Hello everyone, my name's Gareth Ike. It's been a pleasure to talk on the other side of the news. Fantastic conversation with Kinthea, Timothy and Anetta. And I wish you all the best with a fantastic podcast.
take a look at what is going on with us now. You have vax or no vax. You have mandates or no mandates. You have uh, pharmacies who are not allowed to make uh, pres- prescriptions on substances that they don't, you know, <laughs> that big pharma doesn't want them to have anymore. Somebody's in control of something. There's going to be a time, follow the money, where you're going to say, hey, something really inappropriate's gone on here. We're being controlled. I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to have mandates and all these, and another thing to shut people up who say, I would like to talk about this a little bit. No, you don't. You're not going to talk. And, and so we have, uh, you know, people like uh, Dr. Mercola being shut down. That is not us. That's not how we operate. People ought to at least be allowed to have an opinion and state the opinion. And, and have uh, say, uh, I'd like you to know that a good immune system is going to help you. So here are the things for a good immune system. But I'm sorry, you can't buy them anymore because we're not allowed to. So something's going on. So that, my friend, is going to be exposed. That's another thing that you're seeing for a while, and it won't last forever. So it's there now. But believe me, it ain't going to stay because the light's going to be turned on. Just like the the abuse of the, uh, that I've just talked about of both women and kids with priests and all, it's here in an ugly way, and eventually it's going to be seen. Pride says there'll be revelations, there may be even a movie about it. It's going to be the same thing that happened when we found out with tobacco, that they were, of course, addicting our children, and they had a cartoon, and they knew that it caused cancer. And you know what happened with that. We shut that basically shut that down and now we don't smoke anymore hi there this is lee carroll i want to tell you about the other side of the news in these days where we're not really hearing much good news or perhaps even what's really happening that's where the other side of the news is different and in that you're going to hear not only controversy but you're going to hear great things there are going to be joyful things too i just got done with one of the broadcasts and i encourage you to take a listen with myself and monica but the other side of the news that's what we need more of in these times Welcome back. You're listening to the other side of the news. My name is Timothy Saunders, together with Annette Driscoll and Kintia. We are delighted to have Jill Benz on the show this evening, and our title is Dissecting the Biosphere. Jill, before we go back to one or two of the subjects you've touched on already, I'd like to ask you very quickly, without specifically asking your personal feedback, uh, is it or was it possible for a New Yorker to dodge the injection? Because it was quite an intense mandate at one point, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Um, very intense mandate. And the funny thing is that uh, just at the point where people were coming out and saying, uh, people, by people, I mean authorities that had been uh, very aggressively advocating for the injections, you know, they suddenly were saying, oh, actually, you know, uh, yes, the Omicron uh, was the end of this, and um, yes, we were, it seems to be better now, and I guess, you know, they were even saying that 
apologizing in a certain way that the vaccine, you know, the injections were not um, too effective and they were problematic, you know, things which we hadn't heard before. Um, so uh, around that time, that, that's when the Ukraine war became the focus of, of, of the news. So that was just a couple of months, those acknowledgments that somehow uh, this particular experiment hadn't worked out exactly too well. And um, then, um, for many reasons, it seems that that was about the time that um, these other issues became the focus mm. and uh, nothing more was said about it for a while. Uh, so many people are just under the impression that uh, of a very different impression because they weren't following carefully the statements of the officials. You know, so sadly, thousands and thousands of people lost their jobs just before, two months before they decided that it was pretty much over because the mandates had been very strong, very strong in New York City. Uh, and they, um, so, yes, so it's very curious, you know, um, very un unfortunate situation, highly unfortunate. Mm. Well, the, the news the news is absolutely uh what's the word weaponized i think is the way to call it and, and obviously we had uh, the uh the headlines were omicron and then uh after that then became what i call the ukrainian variant because it was perfect timing in my opinion yeah. um and then we we've touched on the monkeypox, which could be an interesting one. Maybe that's just something a little amuse bouche to sort of get on with over the summer. Oh, uh, just yeah. waiting to see what's around the corner. But I, I I think we just have to take a step back and look at the news and, and just say, well, it is weaponized. What else do we expect? Oh. I was just curious, just curious to know because I remember on our previous show, you know, we were all dreading the idea that if a mandate would actually turn into a law or if we'd act, people would actually be persuaded lock, stock and two smoking barrels to be injected. And I feel sorry for the people who did initially go for it. Um, but I'm very happy to hear that many managed to dodge it. So uh, oh, that's yes, good well, to hear. They, yes, they managed to get uh, do that, but at a great expense to their lives. And, their, and um, that is... Uh, kind of at the heart of the issue that I want to discuss today because uh, it's come to my attention, it, every, uh, several things you touched on, it's come to my attention that um, this graphene that we were talking about, as you can see, it's, uh, it's considered, it, the elites are extremely excited about it for some reason and it's been a very, received tremendous sums of money for researching and developing products with it, and it seems to be associated with something called the Human Brain Project, um, because they're very excited that it, it has the capacities to connect with our nervous system, um, as well as it utilizes a lot of oxygen, so when it's in the body, it becomes harder to utilize oxygen, uh, and it has um, many, many uh we know that it apparently it seems to be pretty well established that it, it's in in the injection, and it may be in the rain. It may be um, being put onto the earth um, in many different forms. Uh, and it seems to be becoming clear that it is because of these different patterns, and with 
all this is associated with a certain technology that seems to be emerging. And this is the uh, what I would like to discuss today, um, because uh, there is something called um, this graphene seems to be a relative of uh, of something called uh, that that has been uh, brought into the public awareness by this research I've been discussing. It's common. It's called actually something called black goo. And uh, apparently, another good source of information of this on this subject is Alfred Lambermont Weber, who uh, is a great uh, uh, has dedicated a lot of research to this, and um, also, and he has a book Exopolitics, and he has a, a website. Um, so there seems to be uh, a substance. Uh, called Blacku, but to learn about this, you must really listen to some of the, uh, for the only a few lectures and um, by this um, Harold Kautzbella in Germany. So what he has found is that the Earth, which we might call Gaia, the spirit of the Earth, as well as the Earth itself, um, has um, oil, oil and coal, and it has a sac- are actually sacred substances, of course, on the earth. We know that the coal is from um, ancient, very ancient um, forests and growing uh, life forms on the earth. And uh, so it seems that the earth itself has sacred substances, of which we know many, including water, of course, is one of the extraordinary substances. But it seems that there has been genetic engineering of these earth substances um, to create an alteration um, for the purposes of uh, beings are um, uh, in service of an anti-life um, anti-life uh, agenda and. Alfred Lambermont Weber describes this very well, and some of your guests have also touched on this subject very well. It's quite a deep subject, and it gets into um, archons and uh, and so forth, and perhaps um, another form of intelligence, artificial intelligence beyond this planet that it's all connected to, that has a interest in. Um, taking out the life force of, of our planet and others as well. And uh, the life forms on the Earth are actually, according to these researchers, you know, part of the soul of the Earth uh, as well. So um, water and um, coal, uh, this, this sacred black, it can be uh, altered genetically. Now, uh, but Jill, just before we go too yeah. far, coal is is a, basically carbon, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. So, That's the point. So this graphene is, you see, is a carbon compound. It's a black carbon compound. True, and, but it, but it's it's also the way that it, the molecules are aligned, isn't it? That, that's what makes graphene so special. For example. 
it, it seems that graphene is is a very interesting uh, material. It, it certainly comes to the surface of, of you know, to the people's uh, attention in, in recent years, but it, but it's been going on for research on this has been going on for about I think twenty years or more. I think in fact, yes. Manchester in, in the UK is is a city where uh, there are lots of laboratories and actually hold lots of patents on it. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yes, that's the point. That there has been tremendous research in the past years, as you said. Been very active in the past ten years, but it's it as you say, it began earlier. Uh, but com- twenty years is kind of recent compared to you know other things, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this uh, it seems that there are quite a few variations of patents on this graphene, it's used in many, many different ways. And uh, the products are being developed in many different, many different products. So um, this is a very interesting development for us on the earth. Now, uh, it, it's, as I said, it, it has property. When it's engineered, it, it, it has properties that uh, are not uh, beneficial to our human on other life forms at all, similar to the way aluminum is toxic. As I mentioned, it, it takes oxygen and it, 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 it has many other properties that are very detrimental for human life. So it's interesting that there is such an excitement about um, you know creating this many varieties of products with it. Now, what Harold Kautzala discusses is that this substance, the black hole, actually has a property that it's not alive in a biological way, but it has a capacity to be animated, perhaps from another realm, but it, it, it has its own innate um, ability to be animate. It's not alive, but it's animate. And, of course, that can be... Um, we can see that in other things, you know, and, uh, like r- rocks and so on. It, um, they have their own um, way of, of their, their, their um, minerals are forming, you know, but we might not say that it's, it's a biologically alive. But this, but, this is a more uh, sinister form of that uh, concept because it is uh, not a... Um, natural substance, uh, it is genetically engineered. Jill, when you say it's animate, are you saying that it's animate even if it's put into like a a sealed, inert environment? Or are you saying it's animate when it it is under the, uh, what can I say, under the effects of a force field, for example, around it, or or a radio frequency? Right. It's, um, yes, it would need certain conditions to become animate and um, those conditions could be um, you know uh, are, are around are available you know for it to be animate as well as it seems to have you know work similarly to microwave technology in that it can receive signals you know from microwave uh, technology I think that's the key issue uh, one of the key issues with it may i may i jump in for one second i want to let the audience know that in your links number 23 there's a very brief video where harold uh, demonstrates shows this black goo 
and uh, it'll make things more clear if you take a look at that little video number 23 in uh, Jill's items. Yes, and if you follow anything to do with graphene, you will you will probably come upon you know uh, much more clarity with this subject. And the uh, interesting part is also that. Uh, it can have other forms, so it can be in the form of a rock. And we know uh, about um, uh, if you if you say black rock, I think you are aware of what the the other um, uh, you know yeah. related objects, yes, of that, and um, and so forth. So, but all this can be um, it, it would be hard for me to describe. But he goes into wonderful explanations of it. So. Uh, so anyhow, the other uh, subject he looked at, because 20 years ago, you know, people, or more, some people started to come down with something that was started to be called Morgellons disease. I've seen and, something about that. I've seen videos of people with like material coming out of their skin. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so the thing is that early on, um, it was called Morgellons. Now, if you look up in Wikipedia under Morgellons disease, it says that it's a very rare disease that was very, very um, mis- often self-diagnosed and kind of questionable as to whether the person really was imagining that they have it or really does have it. And so that's pretty much what they say about Morgellons. That sounds like Wikipedia. <laughs> But anyhow, so that's uh, uh, Mr. Couch. He uh, was able to um, uh, to really devote himself to the study of this Margellans disease. And it, at first, people were thinking, "Oh, it's um, it's something that um, it's maybe it's only just some kind of colorful hair, uh, hair like the kind of." gooey hair like things that come out of your body but apparently it was centered on the skin as a problem uh, but apparently um, under this research uh, it became clear that um, it's much much more involved uh, much much more involved so Kinthea has done an amazing job of putting photos from this research uh, on the page. And it's link number 22. Link number 22. Yes. And um, um, what you will see in these photographs is basically a complex of this extraordinarily unusual technology. Uh, we have seen some of these similar images that have come out from German scientists who were looking in the vials of, of the, uh, you know, the injection files and people looking in blood and so on, they did come out with things that are kind of, you can see the similarity. The odd part is that there's a biological element to it, um, looking element to it. It doesn't all look technological by any means, and it seems to be a combination of biological looking forms with much more um, metallic and technological looking forms. And Mr. Coates suggests that um, that actually, essentially, it's actually based on a fungus 
but this is fascinating. It's a genetically engineered fungus, and um, people that I know who treat Morgellons with scalar technology told me uh, that Morgellons is a genetically engineered bacteria. Now, in nature, bacteria, fungi, and viruses work very closely together, not for only for bad purposes by any means, most of the time for good purposes. They are basically the building blocks of all life. They, they are so tiny and they are the foundation of, of everything and their interaction is the foundation of everything. So interestingly enough, somehow or other, uh, whether it's human, uh, in my opinion at this point, it's beyond human as well, uh, how we could, this is, a, is, is here on the earth, um, but this um, this complex of it does have important aspects of a fungus because uh, fungi have hyphae, something called hyphae, and we know uh, you can see those structures in the images as well. Fungi is unique in in terms of its com- it's within us. Good fungi is within us more than we understand. It's in all living things. We don't know that plants are composed of great percentage of fungi um, structures. Uh, they have a unique capacity. They were originally partly animal, partly plant, and they have a unique capacity. So we're coming to learn from mycorrhizal fungi, co- communicating, help facilitating communication among tree roots and um, many uh, remarkable um Characteristics of fungi, they are unique in communication. Jill? Yes. Jill, I'm going to ask you to put the handbrake on a second trip because yes. you're just rolling into so many subjects here. Yes. May I just say, a little while ago, you were talking about the animation. Yeah. So if, if this has the ability to be animated and it's by sort of some outside force or external force, uh, is there any sort of evidence to show that there are behavioral patterns or uh, reactions which could occur through or to follow a certain program, for example, with the black goo? Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. As we've seen in some of these images uh, of the um, vials, you know, we see that it's able to self-organize. It may operate on a fractal system. Um, there are many, this is why the fungal aspect is important because these are also characteristics of fun, fungi. And if they are being directed as well by uh, some kind of bot or some kind of um, other factor, then then uh, it's all the more you know effective in creating some kind of presence in the human body, okay. etc. So... So I'm just trying to, to put this in perspective. So what we're saying is this this black goo has been uh, manipulated, engineered, now it's, it's, it's the nanotechnology. It reacts to certain external forces and then it can demonstrate behavioral patterns or can animate it to follow a certain program. Now that obviously starts to point the question of uh, obviously Obviously, who is doing this and why would they be doing this? Yes. So, 
So basically, uh, just to clarify, the um, black goo is one form of it. As I say, there is a rock form. Then there is, a, uh, as I understand, the graphene is somehow connected as, uh, to this as well and all the graphene products. But there are, there are many, many more. For example, uh, borophene is a new, um, a relatively new um, substance, which I didn't hear about for until fairly recently. And apparently that seems to be have even be even stronger potentially than graphene and uh, have a whole a whole list of other um, can I say uh, properties that that could even be better than graphene in, in certain environments. I mean, it, it's all the question of what what it, the purpose is, oh, um, exactly. it's strength or oh, flexibility okay. or, or elasticity or whatever it is. Right, I mean, it, right, exactly. But, but the most important part is that it's not um, beneficial, you know, to to the human body at all. That's well established, you know, uh, particularly because it it takes oxygen. So, uh, the the uh, this and of course that's essential for um, our system to be oxygenated. So, uh, let me just touch quite quickly on this sure. uh, more. Morgellons, and I'll get to your point, is that um, Morgellons uh, seems uh, what Mr. Kautz has established. By the way, uh, Mr. Kautz in, received um, notice from his government um, that he's being charged with a misdemeanor for something that he has been speaking about in uh, perhaps many years, uh, a few, he said about five years ago, but of course it may be other reasons. And um so he's right now facing the prospect of perhaps being uh, indicted and uh, for this misdemeanor of speaking false uh, against the false the news or what's the proper thing to say. And um, he may be, uh, God, hopefully this would never happen, but it, he could face up to five years in prison. So and just to let you know of that. But, um, uh, Morgellons, so do you think he? Uh, do you think he's getting too near the, the truth? Is that what you're saying? Uh, it seems that he's touching a very sensitive area, um, which we are also discussing here. So, um, so the Morgellons, um, it seems that uh, he he found out that um, the people that are most susceptible to it are those who have had um, a lot of um, heavy metal um, accumulation. And because apparently graphene and others, this technology, which is a combination of these different elements, and it's well shown on these pictures, uh, you can see thread-like, thread-like form, like bundles of threads, what looks like bundles of threads. You can see a waxy substance. You can see something that looks like what you call hydrogel. You can see little, um, tiny uh, spheres that some people were calling eggs, like um, Jill, the term. Yeah, you can, I'm, all this I'm, is connected. I'm, it works Jill, together. Jill, I'm very sorry. We're just at the bottom of the hour. And okay. I think we need a little bit more uh, time to, to set this out. So you're listening to The Other Side of the News with Jill Benzer. I'm co-hosting with Kintia and Annette Driscoll. I'm Timothy Saunders, and our show this evening is called Dissecting Biosphere. We'll be back after the break. 
as you continue to work on yourself, the tribe comes forward. They'll come right to your door. So just keep doing the work and it'll come together. Yep, as you increase your frequency, then you become more mature in your manifestation abilities and your other higher senses and gifts come online and then you have more power to make your world different and better and how you want it. And so that's why working on yourself is so important because then you're going to create the reality that you want rather than get sucked into the dystopia that's being created by the negative or shadow side. We're becoming uh, Renaissance men and women where we have multiple skill sets and we can dance from science into art and we can use both sides of our hemispheres and we can realize how much we have to really offer and uh, grow into. And this is what's happening now. This is where we're headed into a really beautiful place. So we can rejoice in that despite the fear, despite what it looks like on the outside. This is how disease transforms. The mess in the chaos is necessary in order to see what you have before you so you can clean it up and just make decisions to change your reality. If you don't see it, how do you know it's there to even be changed? Or if you ignore it, right? Then how can you make the differences? You can't. So the mess is before us, accept our mess, and now know that that's part of empowerment to be able to see and to be able to transform it. Hi, this is Amanda Vollmer, and I was on the other side of the news and I really enjoy my time discussing deeper topics and really getting to the heart of truth and the things that matter in this world and what we are doing and why we're here and, and what we're heading toward. I really recommend listening in and, and learning, uh, expanding your awareness and your knowledge. It's important and these are the times to do it and we're being asked to pay attention and to challenge ourselves and uh, think beyond beyond the box. And welcome back to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Jill Benzer, co-hosting our Annette Driscoll and Timothy Saunders and myself, Kinthea. The show is called Dissecting Biosphere. And Timothy, I invite you to continue where you left off with Jill. Well, thank you. But Jill, I think you were just in, in mid-flow. So please continue with your your last oh. sentence, which we so rudely cut you off from. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. I'll try to um, conclude here about the Margellans uh, because basically the images you see on the page are closer to the reality of what people experiencing Margellans would experience on their skin and in their system as a whole. Um, in, in their, it can be seen in their uh, other in their organs in elimination as well. And but on the skin, it's it's actually visible um, to some degree with a hand lens. Now. Um, so I would encourage everyone to try to um, acquire a, a, a lens that's at least 10 times magnification and um, 
the, the situation is that Margellans can sometimes appear like a, um, like a blister or a, a pimple or a, um, what they call dermatitis. Those are general terms that they have been discussing now as, as side effects of the injections that it's, um, people have been talking great deal about shingles lately. And it, it's, um, it has occurred to me that if people um, looked more carefully at what was occurring on their skin, they might actually, um, if it's a very severe case, they might actually see some of these um, these forms that are highly magnified in these extraordinary pictures that um, that um, were shown. Because apparently, this stuff, uh, this conglomeration of this technology that I've described, you know, has also been put into the air and water, for, I'm sure, and et cetera. It's all connected. So it's something that we have not, um, I haven't, I've never heard discussed. Um, and, uh, of course, it's, it's uh, not really good. Uh, I don't think it's supposed to be discussed. So anyhow, this technology, according to Mr. Coutt, is that um, is is related to something uh, beyond this earth? Um, this is where we get into um, very deep subjects um, that, as I say, um, your guests have discussed as well. Um, particularly, um, David Livingston gave a wonderful discussion of the details of uh, the way things occur on the earth among the rulers. Um, of the earth at the present time, and um, uh, many of your other guests have uh, also uh, explained um, uh, that unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I don't know how to describe it, but um, there is uh, a um, an effort on the earth at the present time to um, to uh, alter and um, eliminate and uh, control um, according to a very unusual agenda, you know, uh, human life and all life on Earth. Uh, this is not being kept a secret because it has been discussed openly by um, the World Economic Forum and um, their related organization. Um, and they have kind of openly described that they would like they see a future with many fewer humans, many more robots, and so forth. But I think there's more to it than that. I think that um, uh, besides that, of course, it's being told in a such a way that they're very concerned about the climate and um, people, you know, we can think of other reasons why uh, they might want to diminish um, the presence of humans. But there may be another aspect to it, which may be uh, more metaphysical, in that um, if there is, if we are in the midst of a kind of spiritual uh, struggle of some kind, that um, the human life and the uh, other life forms do have a um, capacity uh, to um, uh, present. Uh, to have a spiritual connection, which are not desirable by the uh, people that are uh, promoting this other agenda for whatever. Jill, 
But yeah. when you say, when you mention other life forms, are you talking about the black goo being another life form or are you talking about another life form no, beyond just the realm thing. of the planet? Okay. Yeah, living so, things are living things. Yes. Uh, the black goo is, is a specifically um, engineered substance. It's not, it's not well, um, innate to the earth. It, but uh, it does sound... Oh, it does. I, I. I think you're right. I think it does sound like it's altered. It sounds like it's the matrix of a, a mold or a, a fungi, for example, that's been uh, engineered into a hybrid that perhaps contains particles or, or sort of uh, synthetic particles to make something. Uh, but, but what purpose could it could it possibly have? I mean, is it is it like a like a nano dust that is controllable? Is it is it like a uh, a dust that can fall onto people's skin to define where they are, or is, is it like um, an interface yes. to, to well, transmit messages? Not, or yes, some people have come up with uh, with some answers to this. Of course, it's never going to be. It's an extremely deep question, uh, so it requires a lot of exploration. But to the best of my understanding. Um, for this subject, we need to go to other, you know, to really understand, as you can see how far we've had to go to understand this, it, we have to go even farther. So luckily for um, for um, the audience that listens to this program and for the other side of Midnight and Fun, we're familiar with the concepts of, of uh, life, uh, other existences beyond this earth and long histories that may have occurred and and so forth. And uh, basically, um, there are actually people from, you know, we've also heard about, um, you know, extraterrestrial life and so on. So actually, I found some of my best answers to this question from people who are have some knowledge of extraterrestrial life. And also from people who have connection, uh, a spiritual connection, like the kind of your guest, Devaya Star, had people who have the ability to connect to very um, um, spiritual and benevolent uh, sources of information uh, and actually provide answers that are quite extraordinary for this subject. So I would, I would just let you know what I understand for the moment, which is that that it, this is where my um, on my notes there it, it, it um, there is a link to ET Universal Zone and um, a certain the people that are associated with that website. I highly recommend anyone who's interested in this subject uh, to listen to their uh, free archives of their program, which they give only sometimes. Um, once in a while, they do programs. And um, you can begin to see that that uh, there has been a great deal of discouraging um, um, messages for us uh, in terms of um, exploring spiritual reality beyond our basic life, you know, daily life uh, focus. You know, there is uh, there has been um, it's almost considered, you know. Uh, you know, not that you out of a sound mind. If you, if you're interested in spiritual, uh, that that message has been promoted. You see, so uh, on that website you can find wonderful um, information 
um, over, we can find our way uh, through um, this situation that we are in at the moment and tremendous perspectives and uh, about it. So uh, I'll just summarize to say that um, one thing I learned from these people is that um, it's possible that the earth itself um, is um, is actually, rather than it being our earth, um, the way we were taught to believe that it's actually um, kind of a domain for these um, kind of entities that are angry at the Creator for some reason. They are interested in doing harm to um, to life forms, and particularly um, there's a there's um, a lot to this story of what's going on on the Earth when we come. Even if you believe and that we have, we have souls that continue, you know, after this life, you know, if you believe that we came in as a soul, you know, there are people that, um, have in knowledge of some, uh, processes that we have to go through. In fact, some of your guests have mentioned it as well. Processes that we must go through that actually, um, make it that we will be kind of, um, in the control of this, um, artificial beliefs that are somehow imposed on the earth. They use the word matrix and certain geometries that are altering the natural way uh, that that the earth itself would, the beautiful spirit of the earth herself, would wish to be, to be um, what, what was uh, not the natural uh, pattern. So that's all I want to say on that subject because it's very deep and um, uh, there is a path through it. Um, there is a path for us um, as human beings. Um, and uh, apparently this technology was designed specifically to be helpful in entering us and um, um, altering, making it easier for these other uh, not benevolent for influence us in different belief systems and so forth and um, they can actually even um, participate in our lives in ways that we might not appreciate um, through this technology and this technology has like um, he describes how it's composed of bots and microwave converters and things that can actually reflect, and we're talking about such subtle things, but they can reflect uh, upon our soul, aura, or whatever it is, in such a way as that's only one method in which it can influence us. So it does seem that it's intended to ultimately create, um, continue towards the goal, their goal of creating you know, a victory over humankind, over the Creator, um, a victory of making human life um, part machine. And, of course, they cannot alter our soul, but they can greatly affect it, you see. So it's um, it's a very, very deep subject, but um, that is, um, there is a lot to learn about it. And I do want to, to mention some of the uh, just two very more important points with this, that because um, this affects our skin, it affects our skin mainly because 
uh, our internal organs are overwhelmed, you see, by taking in this. The other important aspect that, of the fungal aspect of it, uh, genetically engineered fungal aspect, is that fungi reproduce through spores, you see. The spores can be microscopic, and they they develop when they get into the right environment. So I'm talking about things that are very, very subtle, very, very subtle. But it's like homeopathy is so subtle, but it's so, it's very important. And homeopathy is one of the paths to help people with this um, as well. So the thing is that it's because, it appears on the skin partly when the internal organs are overwhelmed because it's too much and it has to come out. Uh, the body, thank goodness, you know, tries to, some can often recognize that it's not a good thing to have inside and can't, you know, try to take it out. So this is where you get into uh, a lot of people discussing itchy feelings, um, skin blistering, uh, shingles. You know, suddenly there's a lot of discussion about this. And it's fascinating to me because, um, because you see, now they start, uh, all of a sudden, we hear about monkeypox. You see, that first they were saying, Please, vaccine as well as your COVID vaccine, because COVID, the CDC made an official announcement that shingles is a very common. Um, it's activated, but could be activated by the COVID vaccine. Um, it's my opinion that this shingles is more related to what I'm describing to you. So I, I believe that this um, monkeypox is also a version, another version of, of maybe almost 100 versions of this, uh, and, and it's very possible, in my opinion, that it's also what um, a basis for whatever this um, COVID was as well, because there um, it has all the uh, effects. And this also ties in, believe it or not, to the snake venom story as well. Um, so uh, the thing is that uh, many health practitioners been discussing that they can't believe the number of, of effects of, of shingles and things along these lines that they've been seeing. Now, I think uh, it's possible that uh, that we we if we're aware of this, we can possibly um, not uh, somehow um, prevent a serious problem because if this monkey. Um, takes off, you know, and it, it, it's something that they, I can imagine that if people have shingles at some point, they, it's possible to say, oh, that's similar. I hope you don't have the monkeypox. Let, let's make sure you're all right, you know, that kind of thing. And it's a visible thing, so it, it would be more easy to um, force, you know, on, God forbid it, forcefully take people easily to see. So this is the direction that I hope, uh, I trust is not going to go because if people are aware of this, um, this underlying unity behind all the conditions that we've been, uh, have been um, braided, you know, the um, media and our leaders, you know. Uh, Jill? I do. 
Yeah. <laughs> Take a <Yeah>. breath. <laughs> You're going so fast, darling. <laughs> yeah. Such, yeah. such a wonderful amount of information. We're close to the end of the show, and I want to make sure to touch certain points. So exactly. you, you've given us a really broad uh, paintbrush uh, of so many different uh, intricacies here of how the Morgellons and the black goo and, and the graphene oxide and how this is all interplaying. And I'm stepping back even a little further to, to look at a bigger picture in the sense that we as a human species are an extension of the planet. We're our, our organs were made of dust of the earth, you know, ashes to ashes, so to speak. And we are an organism that is intricately entwined with the earth consciousness. And I'm inquiring of you, have you in your own personal journey found certain spiritual awarenesses or tools that are working for you? in this quest of balance of health our restoration of health in the, amid you know the raining down of all these uh pollutants exactly well thank you that's a wonderful way to end what i want like to uh, share because uh basically as you can see we're this is extremely formidable extremely formidable at the same time, as all this is occurring, there is still a remarkably, thank goodness, you know, a great resilience in people and living things considering all this, you know. And uh, basically, I think that we, because we are dealing with something that is almost metaphysical, it, it, it is metaphysical as far as I'm concerned, uh, the true remedy or, or the true path in this it, it does require some kind of a connection to the benevolent, um, uh, essential, and overwhelmingly, ultimately, um, essential element that unites all uh, our life, our universe, what they call multiverse and omniverse. Mm -hmm. So at the heart of that seems to be um, a, a force that we can connect to in as easy a way as just breathing. Our breath is, the word for breath is is similar to the word for the creator in many traditions. Um, and Robert Stanley, another guest, has described like this connection that we have from our heart um, to to all um, living things. You know, it's, it's that um, listening within or that awareness that we can start to, uh, there are people doing um, many wonderful practices, even as simple as just deep breathing. And it's a way that we can start to connect to this um, other, real, this uh, deeper uh, truth of our existence that is ultimately able to guide us as well as to heal us um, this is where I would recommend this um, website I mentioned of the Universal Zone, and a deal of um, information there about um, all the ways we can uh, all the we begin to connect with these um, elements that are for us that have a great deal of love for us 
and it's um, a mutual um, it's a mutual and magnificent journey of the soul. It requires it helps us to become more present uh, in our lives, uh, in our moments, and aware of our feelings. Everything in the other direction from the way things are going with mm-hmm. technology. If and, I may. If I may, I'd like to just step in here before you move on from the breath, because I I noticed that for myself, the act of consciously breathing, it shifts my awareness from this physical reality as we know it to what you called a multidimensional reality. I believe that our consciousness is... Uh, much vaster than the physical realm that we tend to think of as reality and that there is a, oh, the multiverse is full of so many dimensions and so many different realities and that breathing is that portal where we can move from one reality to another, if you will, or one dimension to another. And I think that the species now, our species, is on the cusp of not doing this because we've had holy people doing this throughout the ages. But we're at a cusp now where the average person, the, the, the masses, are beginning to awaken to the reality that we can explore other dimensions with our consciousness, that we're beginning to break out of this box of pure materialism into other realms. Would that be your experience? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I've known people personally who have had that ex- absolutely that experience, and um, I'm not quite at the uh, advanced as they are, but um, I... I've, I've, I've seen it and with the simplest of things as just to breathe. And, um, the, for example, I, I, we, we hear like terms like God loves us, you know, and it becomes almost rote. I, I discovered that I, you know, I kind of accepted that term, you know, but, but to really think about that and ask, start inquiring about it, you know, is an incredible, incredible practice, which I've been learning, uh, exploring now. And prayer, like I thought I knew what prayer was. Oh my goodness, there is so much to understand. And so Mm. leave leave the audience with to say that um, in addition to these spiritual explorations, which are the most important as far as I'm concerned, it's also wonderful to be aware of these kind of sacred substances that are on the earth that can help us with this um, technology. And that is Epsom salt. Um, all the sacred salts of the earth seem to have great um, help. Uh, they provide great help. And bentonite clay, um, charcoal, things like um, the shea butter, castor oil, which are tremendous. Uh, they're kind of holy substances and they um if you explore how to use them if you god forbid are affected on your skin uh you can um you may receive some remarkable benefits just um cleansing of the heavy metals and um supporting our organs and with cleanses and um supporting the of the basics of health uh that we know and nourishing our immune system mm. and finally there are special things that are uh, 
like um, some of your guests have mentioned, MMS, um, garlic, turmeric, the beet products, pine needles. Um, the interesting part is that energetically, this technology is kind of uh, related with a parasite, so it's often called an artificial parasite. Jill, and, Jill, <laughs> don't go there. That's too big a topic yeah. right now. Okay, yes. we're wrapping anything, up. So I, yes, I want, I want Antiparasitic is very, very helpful. So that's okay. what I want. All right, all right. So um, I just want to underline, you touched on the love of God and prayer and redefining what that is for you. And I would have to say that for myself also, that there is this awareness of compassion. And it doesn't matter whether you believe in the word God, or but everybody knows how to love. You all know, we all know what it feels like when we love. And it's that energy within us that activates healing. So that coupled with these organic uh, substances, plant substances, earth substances, the, the, those are catalysts for the true healing that comes from the activation of love in our consciousness. That feeling, that overpowering feeling of Love is such a powerful force, and yeah. uh, prayer based in that, or or speaking from your heart to your yeah. deep, most inner part, and knowing that we are loved. We are loved by our own consciousness. Knowing that we are loved—that's the key. Would you say? And oh, I, you know what? Me. I have to turn it over to Timothy. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry, Jill. Thank you, you so much. The most important part, and it's it's so true, and loved by ourselves, but also by others and beyond, beyond what we know. Mm-hmm. Timothy, you big softy. Uh, <laughs> despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, healers, and innovators. We are wide awake and are already making great impacts. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda to make your own independent research, stop acquiescing and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you're born with power and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of the other side of the news. This 101st edition is entitled Dissecting Biosphere and remains available at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with Kintia and Annette Driscoll, offer special thanks to our guest, Jill Benzer, our listeners, contributors, and our sound engineer, Keith Morgan. We wish you all a very positive week. Look forward to reconnecting with you next Friday. Good night. Mm-hmm.